love him. Love him. How great thou art. How great. Genesis chapter 37, starting with verse number 3, we'll go to Exodus chapter 1. And then we'll be turning to the book of Acts chapter 6. We are thankful for all of our guests that are here with us this morning, I pray that you have felt the presence of God, and not only felt it, but you have been drawn closer to Him, and if you have not gotten what you wanted yet, what you needed yet, you're in luck, because we're not done. The presence of God is in this house, He is here to move and to touch. Genesis 37, beginning at verse number 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Verse number 5, now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Exodus 1, beginning at verse number 6. Remember, Joseph has had a dream. Exodus 1 and verse number 6. And Joseph died, all of his brothers and that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened. In the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us. And so go up out of the land. Acts 6 and 7. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. For the next little bit, I'm going to title this message, The Multiplication Process. The Multiplication Process. If you are going to preach with me and say amen at least one time, you may be, I hadn't even told you you could be seated and you got your amen out of the way. You may be seated. When I told Kim 
the title for my message, her immediate response to me was not, that's so powerful. It was not, oh, I can already feel God. It was nothing like that. Her immediate response to me was simply this. You're not going to make us do math, are you? (laughs) No, I'm not going to make you do math was my reply. I almost like sounded like, are you crazy? Why would I make us do math? But then I began to study a little more and I found articles that presented evidence that math is actually good for your brain and mine, but math is good for your brain. According to research conducted by Dr. Tanya Evans of Stanford University, the same brain regions that help you do math also are recruited in your decision making and your attention to detail. Math makes you better. And so with that in mind, there were two trains traveling nonstop to Kansas City. One of them was leaving Boston 1,450 miles away at 50 miles per hour. And one was leaving San Francisco 1,850 miles away at 40 miles per hour. I've lost everybody already. I'm only kidding. I know, I could read it. I almost could hear it. You were saying, I didn't come to church to learn. (laughs) But if you're wondering, and I know that you are, the Boston train will arrive first and the San Francisco train will arrive 17.25 hours later. Does everybody feel better now? In math, multiplication is the method of finding the product of two or more numbers. It's a primary arithmetic operation that is used quite often in actual real-life situations. Children these days have no idea the, the power that they have whenever they learn to multiply because now all they have to do is open their phones. <laughs> we were not allowed to have calculators in school when I was in third and fourth grade. We actually had to learn the multiplication tables. One of my teachers taught me that 9 times 9 is 81, and then she showed me that it will go up and down, and and the numbers will go from 9 to 18 to 27 to 36, and it just keeps going on and on, 45, 54. You know, it just keeps going on, and the numbers just kind of reverse, and and we learn. And we used to have to go around the classroom, and we would stand up, and there was always, you know how I used to brag about, like, the Bible drills? (sighs) There was this one guy. Now I know how everyone in Sunday school felt because there was this one guy in my class. That joker would start at the first and we would go through the multiplication tables and she would put the flashcard up and he would win and then he would win and then he would win. And then finally the teacher would just tell him, would you let someone else play? (laughs) The multiplication tables, it's something that we still use every single day. Multiplication is used to simplify the task of repeated addition of the same number. The numbers that are multiplied are called the factors and the result that is obtained after the multiplication of two or more numbers is known as the product of those numbers. We have the factors and we have the product. Did you know that God was into multiplication? From the beginning of time, that has been His plan. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. In case anyone was wondering, it's only male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. It doesn't say add or subtract. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the earth. And as a people, we love the product when God multiplies. We love whenever we can look and we can get excited about how that God is going to multiply His blessings. How that God is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. When I gave our purpose scripture for 2020, (laughs) that's a whole lot of multiplication there in case you were wondering. I had to edit that out. I almost said out of the tape. In 2023 and beyond, I was almost multiplying even more. My goodness, I'm going to have to start dividing here a minute. 
It's not only for this year but beyond. God's plan for His church is to multiply. For us to experience the revival that Joel prophesied and Peter repeated on the day of Pentecost. But Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. These men are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters, they're going to prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. On the service and handmaidens, I'm going to pour out my spirit. From the very beginning, if we're going to see it, it's going to be because God is going to multiply his church. For us to see what Joel told us about and what Peter repeated, we are going to have to experience a multiplication like we have never seen before. Because what we've got in the house, and it doesn't matter how many churches we've grown, how many people we've grown, it doesn't matter. Our world is growing each and every day. For us to reach this world in the amount of time that we've got, we're going to have to experience God multiplying the church. And so I say with reassurance in my spirit, He's going to multiply your family. He's going to multiply blessings. He's going to multiply power. He's going to multiply anointing. He's going to multiply conviction. He's going to multiply love. Why? Because in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I stand by this morning every word that I preach to us. I stand by when I tell you that God is going to give us the increase. I stand by that the hindrances are going to be removed so that we are going to be able to more effectively do the duties that he has called us to. I stand beside it. I preach it even harder that everything that stood in the way, everything that's battled you is going to get out of the way. Every spirit of depression, every spirit of fear, every spirit of bondage, every spirit of just the world and today's society I bind it in the name of Jesus it's got to go because there's a move of the presence of almighty God and he's about to multiply he's about to multiply the church he's about to multiply his move of the spirit God's about to remove the hindrances in your life you are in the house this morning I am preaching to you God is about to remove the hindrances that are in your life the things that you have said I can't get beyond them I can't get past them they will not let me go I speak it in the name of Jesus they've got to go I bind them and cast them out and in their place I loose liberty and joy in the Holy Ghost I loose an anointing to rest on you to flood you to operate through you I loose power of the Holy Ghost I loose faith in this house I lose power in this house. Multiply, almighty God. God's about to remove the hindrances that are facing Bethel. God's about to remove the things that have warred against this church. I'm telling you, he has not stopped fighting. He has not given up. He has not gotten to the place that he said, I'm just going to let them go. But God is about to step in and said, you've had enough time. This is now time for my church where sin did abound. Grace did much more abound. I'm here to let the world know. I'm here to let Arnold know. I'm here to let Jefferson County know that where sin did abound. Grace did much more abound I say multiply your grace multiply your mercy multiply your power almighty God those things that are in your home those things that are on your job I remove them in the name of Jesus I still think that the devil thinks I still say I'm going to say it like this if the devil thinks that Bethel's been trouble for him to so far in my best Louisiana vernacular, he ain't seen nothing yet. If he thinks we've prayed for our families up until now, he hasn't seen anything yet. If he thinks we've proclaimed and declared and prophesied over them, he hasn't seen anything yet. If he thinks we've worshipped, he hasn't seen anything yet. If he thinks we've already had revival, he hasn't seen anything yet. If he thinks we're taking back territory and we're going to stop, he hasn't seen anything yet. I'm here to let him know I'm setting hell on notice that greater 
is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that's who's operating in you. That's who's living in you. That's who's moving in you. In him we live and move and have our being. There's nowhere I go that he's not with me, that he's not there. Multiply, almighty God. Remove the hindrances. I'm telling you, that one commentary said because the hindrances were removed, the disciples, and I love this word, were fiercely able. You think I've preached hard up until now? You ain't seen nothing yet. You think I've given everything I've got up until now? Oh, get ready. When the hindrances get out of my way. When the hindrances get out of the way. You think you've worshipped now? Get ready. But when the hindrances get out of your way. And you see your family in this altar. You see your family lifting their hands. You see your co-workers lifting their hands. You see your neighbors lifting their hands. Oh, somebody hear me. You think it's happened now? Get ready for what he's about to do. Because I'm about to fiercely. I'm about to to be aggressive in my faith. I'm about to be aggressive in my words and in my prayers. I'm about to speak that which is not as though it were. I'm about to preach fiercely. I'm about to live fiercely. See, because I have a promise. He said, I've already went before you. I've made all those crooked places straight. All of those things that wanted to trip me up, he said, oh, he said, son, I'll take care of that. I know the enemy's going to come, but I'm only going to let him come so far so that when he does come, he's reminded that you have authority over him because you have my name applied to your life. Oh, Bethel, if you can hear me right now, I need you to understand that the battles you're facing, they are there for an opportunity to testify of the goodness of God. What you're going through is an opportunity for you to testify of his mercy, for you to testify of his grace. So why does God allow it to happen? So that I can shout and dance. So I can magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I can lift him up. So I can say, ah, I know my God is good. I know my God is faithful. I know my God is able. I know in whom I have believed. See, but we want all of those things to happen like they did in my scripture text. We want Genesis 37 and 5. Now Joseph had a dream. And then we want to skip all the way to Exodus 1 and 6. And Joseph died. I'm not saying that anyone's going to die. But we want to skip the life part. We want to skip straight to where it's fulfilled, Brother Jack. We want, oh, I have a dream. Let me tell you, bro. Let me tell you about my dream. Oh, you, you don't, you're not going to believe the dream that God gave to me. We can handle a little bit if our brothers don't understand. Well, they just don't have the faith I have. <laughs> but we want to skip everything. And so that we can get to the place where we can shout and dance. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. They were multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty. We want the fulfillment. We want the product without facing all of the factors. Can I tell you the process is what makes the power of multiplication happen. We want to skip over the fact that Joseph's dreams caused his brothers to hate him even more. And then God is so good that he said, all right, Joseph, I'm going to give you another dream about the sun and moon and the stars that bowed before you. It doesn't get any better for him because he tells his brothers, and oh, they don't like him anymore now either. 
He tells his father, and his own father scolds him. What kind of dream is that, he says. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? See, we want to we skip how that the brothers oh, conspired to kill him. We want to skip the fact that sometimes, even in the house of God, we're wounded. We want to skip the fact that every once in a while we're doing everything right and we still get hurt. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. That's family. That's not some enemy tribe. That's those that he thought he could share his dream with. That's those that he thought he could share his vision with. That's those that he thought would understand. I'm your brother. We're in this together. We're family. We're all part of the lineage. We're part of the blessings of Almighty God. We, we're a part of Father Abraham's blessings. I can share with you. But at the age of 17, history tells us he was sold the slavery by his own brothers he was thrown into prison for rejecting the advances of Potiphar's wife and he interprets the dreams of a couple of Pharaoh's servants and they're both correct and one's dead and the other one's living the high life again and he's basically forgotten for two years he he helped them with a dream. He helped them with their dream. And he's still sitting in prison for nothing of his own fault. He's still sitting in a prison cell, forgotten for two years until finally Pharaoh has a dream that no one can interpret. All of his soothsayers and all of his witches and, and all of those that, that were around him, no one could give him an interpretation. And then finally the servant remembers, oh, there was this one guy. Joseph says, seven years of abundance going to be followed by seven years of famine. Genesis has 50 chapters. We can't skip those 13 chapters to get us to Exodus chapter 1. That's the process. That's the process. That's what we have to go through to have the scripture said, to have the scripture say that they were fruitful and multiplied. We have to go through those 13 chapters. We have to go through all of those things. We have to go through the prison. We have to go through the fate. We have to go through family coming in. We have to go through the deception. We have to go through all of those things. We want the product, but we don't want to have to have all of the factors that it's going to take to get us there. So I still say that he's going to multiply. He's going to multiply. We're going to see our family saved. But we're going to have to go through the process. We're going to have to go through what it takes to get us there. When Acts 6 and 7 happens, be prepared, my friend. Because Acts 8 is just around the corner. Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. They suffered loss. They suffered persecution. They were scattered from their home. And Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, the same place. The disciples went from the temple and house to house, breaking bread. And God added to the church daily. There was multiplication in the house. And that's the 
same place the enemy went and tried to destroy. Can I, can I please get you to understand just because God's moving in your house doesn't mean the enemy's going to stop knocking at your door. Doesn't mean he's going to stop fighting and warring. You better get your house covered. You better start praying the blood of Christ. You better start pleading the blood. You better start covering it. You better put on the whole armor of God because the enemy's going to do everything that he can. He's going to breathe out threatenings. He's going to go house to house to try and destroy you. These are the factors that get us ready for the product. And I'm not about to leave us at Acts 8 and 4 because after Acts first. Chapter 8 and verse number 4, there's immediate action that happens right after that. Philip, for example, the Bible says, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city can I tell you it's the process that's going to bring the multiplication but God is not going to leave you in the process he said I'm going to bring you through I'm going to bring you up and I'm going to bring you out you may be in the process but get ready because the multiplication is just around the corner the multiplication without the process Philip would never preach the revival there would have never been the lame or the paralyzed healed the demons would have never been cast out. It takes the process. Without Saul, Philip would have never went to the city of Samaria. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying embrace the process. We're too quick as... We're too quick at the first sign of trouble and to run to the altar. God, deliver me. And God's looking down saying, I can't because I'm trying to deliver a city through you. I can't bring you out of this valley. Brother Cameron, because there's someone at your job that needs to know that I am with you. I need to leave you where you are because on the other side of verse number four, Samaria is waiting on you, Philip. On the other side, there's a verse number five, and it's going to lead us to a city that has great joy. That's why I say the devil hasn't seen anything yet. I know he's going to fight. I know he's going to come against us, but I'm ready for a city that has great joy. I'm ready for a city. I'm ready for a city that is set free, that is moving with the power of Almighty God. I'm ready for there be multiplied churches, multiplied revivals, multiplied healings, multiplied salvations. Come on. I'm not sitting around and waiting. I'm still marching. I'm still moving. I'm in the process, honey, but I'm still moving. I'm still dancing. I'm still shouting. I'm still doing what I got to do. Do I feel it all the time? No, but I know there's a city that's about to have joy. There's a family that's about to have peace. There's a family that's about to be restored. Believe me, I don't like the process. The process is not fun. Oh, but it's in the process that he can strip away those things that we don't need. It's in the process that we learn we're all ministers. It's in the process that we, we realize 97% of the time we're outside of these four walls. It's in the process that we learn I can pray for someone on my job. 
It's in the process that we learn that in the middle of the grocery store, God can use me. It's in the process that we learn that there's someone broken in our very neighborhood that we didn't even know about. That they were wounded in the house. They were wounded by someone's words. They were wounded by someone that didn't have wisdom. They were wounded because we're still flesh. We're not like him yet. We say things that are wrong. We may have the best intentions, but every once in a while we say things and they hurt and they confuse and then that person walks away and we never go and find them because we don't even know. That's a word for someone. You're wondering why they haven't come and ask for forgiveness to help restore you. And you're holding on to that. And when that happens, I'll... I'll see it happen, then I'll let go, God. Can I tell you that you're in a house that we're going to love you so that they don't have to? Sister Leeds, they're in a house that people don't have to know what they've went through don't have to know what they faced don't have to know any of their history but we're going to love them you are in a house and you're in a house full of people that many have been where you are many have felt alone many have felt abandoned many have felt that experience of just sitting in the prison cell not doing anything wrong but you've pulled and backed away from God and you've said when this and that happens then I'll let go. At some point, you've got to let go because the process wants to heal you. The process wants to deliver you. The process wants to anoint your wounds. The process wants you to walk again. It's the process. It's the process. cut my tendons. We just moved to Kansas City and I was putting a backsplash in and <clears throat> cut a few holes and so there was, so we put it around the outlet covers, you know, so there would be no seams. It's going to be pretty. It was pretty until it cracked. Went right in my wrist. Wasn't bloody, wasn't anything. I just heard Jack put my hand over my wrist. And I said, Kim. <laughs> I didn't scream. Kim. She's like, what? I think I need to go to the emergency room. <laughs> Hands are all like this. <laughs> I'm just holding it. I called a friend, and they said, oh, there's a urgent care right around the corner. Like, right around the corner. We went over there. And I didn't have my wallet with me. Kim runs back. They take me to a back room. I went into shock and passed out. Kim makes it back with my wallet. And the nurse runs to her. And she's like, we lost your husband. She said, where at? You better find him. I came out. I, you know, here's the crazy part. I can laugh about it now. I wasn't then. But have you ever passed out? You can kind of feel it coming. So I look at the nurse with the camera, and I said, uh, can you get me some ice or cold rag and get me somewhere where I can sit down? I'm about to, and then I was out. <laughs> I told her all of this stuff. I wake up. <clears throat> they had done compression things on my chest. <laughs> I was all sore, bruised. <laughs> then they tried to send me a bill. <laughs> That nurse looks at me and says, honey, you went to see Jesus. He just wasn't ready for you, so he sent you back. I looked at her and said, I hope not. She said, what do you mean? All like concern. I said, because all I saw was blackness. There was no light. There was no tunnel. There was nothing. So I really hope I didn't go see Jesus because he wasn't home. Saying all that so I can get to this part. I had the surgery. 
I'm all like this. And that doctor, they warned me, does not have a good bedside manner. He laughed and joked with me, and we had a good old time. I went out, and the nurse was like, who are you in there with? And I told her, and she was like, he never does that. I said, well, maybe I'm just a funny guy. I went back the next time, and he goes, let me see your hand. He goes, we're going to send you to physical therapy, but i got I got to see range of motion. So I just kind of held it out. It's all still like this, you know. And he just goes, oh, oh. There was no laughing. Well, Jack, I started going to physical therapy. Started having to bend those fingers and oh, keep them out. And she would, she would time it. This lady was hateful. She was so sweet. Man, if, if she was sweet tea, she'd have given you cavities. That's how sweet she was. But at the same time, hateful. Now, Greg, just hold that hand out. Whoa! Then she looked at me and says, if you don't go through the process, you won't be able to use this hand like you're supposed to. Okay. They started doing all the exercises. I was not supposed to have full range of motion in my hand. I was not supposed to have feeling or anything. When I went back in just a couple weeks later, that doctor looked at me and said, let me see your motion. I started going like this. He goes, you're not supposed to have that. And I said, that's what God will do for you. That's what God will do for you. And we just started talking. We started having a good time. Can I tell you that every once in a while, God just has to open things up. And it's going to hurt at the beginning. But if you'll allow the process, if you'll allow the pain, if you'll allow it just a little bit, you're going to have free range of motion. You're going to operate like you're supposed to operate. You want to know why the church is going to move? Because we're going to go through the process. We're going to have full range of motion. We're going to have revival. We're going to see it happen. Why? Because we're going to go through the process. It's the process that brings the multiplication. And I know right now, oh, I'd love to have the dream. I'd love to see the vision. I told you about the vision that I had. Uh, I told you what God has shown me for Bethel. And I didn't even know it was Bethel. I told you the word that I've been given. Brother Danny stood behind this pulpit when, uh, at our service uh, when we were installed and he told you the vision that God gave of this church and he had never been here before. Oh, how I would love to see all of that. I would have loved uh, as soon as Brother Trammell, we celebrate his retirement and then February 1st, I'm the pastor. I would have loved for the windows of heaven to open and see the vision. But God said, son, if you'll go through the process, you'll see the vision. If you'll go through the process, you'll see the dream. I need someone to hear me. I know you're hurting. I know you're confused. I know you're weary and worn. But if you'll go through the process, I know you feel rejection. I know that you've stood up and you got excited with me and you said, as for me and my house, Some of you may have even liked saying oikos so much as I do that you started saying, as for me and my oikos, as for me and my sphere of influence, everyone that's around me, as for me and my house. But now you feel like the little woman with the condition of blood, the issue of blood. Because of her condition, she could not fulfill Genesis 1 and 28, be fruitful and multiply. According to Levitical law, she was declared to be ceremonially unclean. She could not even enter into the temple to worship. And according to 15 and 27 of Leviticus, anyone that she touched or would touch her or anything she had touched, they were considered unclean for the entire day. Oh, but I am so glad that Jesus did not come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it because when she touched him, he didn't start yelling, unclean! He simply said, who touched me? 
Oh, Master, there's so many around you. There's a great press. We're going. We're, we're going. We're going to, to race up that little girl. We're, we're going to Jairus' daughter. We're, we're, we're heading somewhere. Of course, there's a whole bunch of people. They want to see what you're about to do. What do you mean who touched you? Oh, somebody touched me because I perceived that virtue flowed. Power flowed from me in the middle of our uncleanness. He said, who touched me? And then he turned around to her and he says, daughter, everyone's attention was there. They knew her because she had spent everything she had and more. She didn't get better. She got worse. They knew who she was and they knew she wasn't supposed to be there. But desperation in the middle of the process said, I've got to touch him. He looked at her and says, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. I know you're exhausted this morning. I know you're weak. I know that you're in the middle of your process. But can I give you a word of encouragement? That Jesus is walking down this aisle. He is walking through this house. And if you'll reach for him, you can touch him. And he will make you whole. He will make you whole whole of the things that have caused you to not be able to feel the blessings he will make you whole of all of your hurt he will make you whole of all of your pain he will make you whole if you're willing to step out God is willing to allow you to touch him you're not too dirty for him to make holy. It's the process. It's the process. In the middle of it, you can find him in the middle of the problem. There's a way of escape. There hath no temptation taken you, but it's such as common to man. But God is faithful not to suffer. Not to, he will not let anyone be tempted above that which you are able, but with the temptation. With the trial, with the testing, with the calamity or the affliction that has seized you. He said, with that I have also made a way of escape. The process guarantees that you'll see the product. The process is the guarantee. Because when the process gets here, he said, with the process comes your way of escape. Because I am faithful. God is faithful. Come on, Daniel. Look around. He's in the... He's in the lion's den with you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, what's going on? There's a fourth one in the fire. Oh, I know it's, it's heated seven times hotter than the guy that threw you in. Oh, he's already dead from the heat. But you're standing in there, and when you walk out, you're going to be set free of the bondage. And they're not even going to smell the fire on you. The process is a guarantee of the product. He said be fruitful and multiply. But you're not going to do it alone. And Jesus came and spoke to them. Saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And go therefore. And make disciples. Of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. That's the process. Here's the way of escape. Lo, I am with you always. Go. I am with you. Make. I am with you. Disciples, I am with you. So don't give up on your families. 
Don't give up on your friends. Don't give up on your neighbors. I am with you. What are you doing, Elijah? Oh, I'm just carrying some rocks and I'm building an altar. Then I'm going to dig a ditch and I'm going to fill it with water. But you're in the middle of a drought. I know. But I'm not worried about the drought because I know that the fire is about to fall. You see, that's the process. Go get the barrels of water. Another rock. This is all the process. Oh, I know that the I know the prophets of Baal are loud. I know they're mocking you. I know, I know they're screaming and cutting themselves. It's all right. The fire is about to fall. The fire is about to fall. Musicians would come. I'm closing with this. The starfish is an amazing creature. There are nearly 2,000 different and distinct species of starfish that live in our world's ocean. They use different colors as camouflage to hide themselves from predators. Did you know that the starfish does not have a head? It has no central processing system. All of its systems are distributed throughout its entire body. Every major organ is replicated through each organ. So if you were to cut a starfish in half, it will not die. In fact, before long, you will have two starfish. Because the contributing pieces of the starfish will regenerate a replacement for the severed limb. The starfish was designed with multiplication in every single cell. What would kill any other creature in our world simply causes the starfish to reproduce. Dan Greider in his book, Starfish Movement, tells a story of a small coastal fishing village in Australia. and They faced a crisis because, according to the story, the starfish population had exploded and had multiplied. It was beginning to block their inlet for the coast and it was beginning to destroy all the coral in the area. And a group of motivated but uneducated fishermen decided we're just going to go take care of the problem. No one else knows what to do. We're just going to take care of it. They went out and they began to slice and throw the starfish. They cut it in half and threw it. They cut them in fours and threw them. And within a matter of months, what they thought was going to destroy, because remember, they were designed to multiply. What they thought was going to destroy them caused the population to explode. The church, remember, we're made to multiply. Everything the enemy has meant for evil, oh, I'm going to cut you away from your family. I'm going to sever ties. I'm going to destroy you. Everything the enemy meant for evil. God said, oh, I mean it for good. What would destroy any other person this morning is going to cause you to multiply. The last of our scriptures in Exodus 1, 8 and 10 said there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. 
He said, look at the children of Israel. They're mighty and they're more than we are. Let's deal shrewdly with them lest they multiply. Some of you are facing some new enemies this morning because you've decided to walk in faith. You've decided to be faithful. You've decided that as for me and my house, and now you're facing a new enemy. But oh, if he only understood what he's sending your way is not going to destroy you, but it's going to propel you into multiplication. If the enemy could have understood 1 Corinthians 2, 7 through 9, then we stand, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. This makes me excited. For had they known it, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because when they crucified, the veil was rent and what was one now became two. And it opened the door and multiplication began to happen. And the ver- and the voice of God went out and it began to call to people, the Gentiles, the Jews, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It all happened because the enemy didn't know that what I'm doing is about to bring multiplication. The enemy didn't know that what he's doing to your family what he's doing to your home is about to tear open the windows of heaven and he's going to pour down a blessing that you cannot contain. Lift your hands all across this house. Come on, lift your hands. Some of you need to pray in the spirit right now. I'm done preaching. Some of you need to go into, into intercessory prayer right now in the spirit. You need to let the gift of tongues begin to fly. Come on. You need to open your mouth and let it happen right now in the name of Jesus. You have been bound and bound. And you have been in the battle for too long. God is saying, pray. And I will stop by. I will touch you. Come on, we gotta come, come on, Bethel. We need to get to the altar. Just remember when you stand. 
been forsaken I've never had to stay 